listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcom and I'm here with Fred Long. And uh, today we're discussing Galatians. It's been a little bit since uh, we've been together, Fred, to discuss Galatians. Looking forward to this. Did you say disgust Galatians or disgust? Are you disgusted with Paul in Galatians or is Paul disgusted with the Galatians? Absolutely uh, not disgusted with Paul. Although Paul seems to be disgusted with some in Galatia. I don't know if he's disgusted with the Galatians as much as he is the troublemakers Uh who have come behind him from elsewhere. But nevertheless, we're in Galatians 5. And hey, if you're just now sort of getting into the Proof Text podcast, you can scroll all the way back through the history of this And we are just going verse by verse through Galatians. So you can find us starting at verse one. We usually do a couple verses per episode. Um, And so that's what we're going to do here today. If you're watching, I'm going to put the Greek text up on the screen. You'll be able to see that. If you're just listening, that's okay, because you'll be able to hear it as well. I'm going to read it. What's the Bible app? Uh, Yeah, this is stepbible.org. Yeah. Hmm. I love this. I I have been um, a Bible works user since I don't know, 20 years, 15, 20 years. And this I got a new computer a couple months ago. And this has I didn't load Bible works back on as first time. in as long as I can remember having a laptop that I didn't have Bible works on a computer. And, wow. Uh, Step Bible has replaced that for me and it's totally free 100 percent free yep all right well here we go uh galatians 5 7 and then later we'll read 8 so this is a question here um um, I don't know if I did a great job uh, capturing the interrogativeness of that, but we got the T's there helping us know that this is a question. As far as um, anything with pronunciation, I don't see a lot to mention here, but I will just point out uh, that we have the epsilon, ypsilon uh, vowel pair a couple times and that this is pronounced the same exact way as iota on its own so when we look at tis that e e e tis it's the same with aletheia e e thea and pithesthe pithesthe so the epsilon iota vowel pair is pronounced the same exact way as the iota on its own so yeah that's what we have in terms of uh pronunciation that i'm seeing here 
I'm seeing um, a lot of epsilon sounds. Tisumas, Enekupsen, and then a P S there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, P Thes Thes there. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of I wonder what that creates. All right. Uh, in terms of translation, uh, there's no initial conjunction or um, what's that called? Post positive conjunction. So you have ascendaton. There is uh, a bit of a break here, is what it what it means, uh, as indicated by. I think all the major uh, Greek translations, uh, Greek Greek texts, have like a new paragraph here. You were mm-hmm. running well. Etrekete, uh, imperfect tense, imperfective aspect. Uh, augment marks past time. The the morpheme uh, endings uh, indicates ongoingness in the past. You were running well. We're running well. Who you cut in to not obey the truth? So who cut into you? Um, now that's, that's rather interesting. Who cut into you? Yeah. Uh, probably a play here because uh, the issue has been circumcision. Right. So someone cut in. I actually presented a paper on the the cognitive, um, the meaning of these lexemes and, and the cognitive impact, kind of a cognitive grammar look at these. And this it was really interesting to just to diagram what's going on here because eventually he's going to say, I wish they would just cut it all the way off. Yes. He's right. obviously talking about the male uh, genitalia. Um, so here, I think there's a play here. Who cut into you? Um, so notice that the who and the you are abutted together. I think that's for effect to say that there's some relationship. They've gotten really close to you in a sense. Grammatically, they're abutted. They're close in the mental framework. The who and the you are becoming combined. Tisumas. Who you? Sounds like that Taco Bell commercial. Tisumas? Uh, uh, yeah, Tisumas. <laughs> How's it going? Live moss or something. Uh, it's moss. Yeah. Um, all right. So then you have this uh, te aletia. Uh, aletia is um, truth, date of case. And uh, why is that um, data? Well, it's the object of the pithesthe, which is from pitho, persuade. So, which can mean follow or obey. Um, here it is middle, which is uh, interesting. Um, to, to not obey the truth. So why is it the middle? I'm looking that up right now. Um, passive and middle to be won over as a result of persuasion. So, so to be cut in, to persuade you, to not persuade you to the truth, is is uh, how this would be translated. Then, so who cut in to you to not 
obey or be persuaded by or to the truth. Yeah, so I guess in form it's, it's present, middle, passive, and form, maybe with a, a middle sense of meaning persuaded or passive to, to, to obey with dative or person of thing uh, indicated there. Yeah. So it's as simple we as that. This, we yeah. have this though in, in 110, right? Where uh, a form of that pitho, he says, you know, am I now trying to, am I now like persuading uh, humans yeah. or God, right? Yeah. Um, people or, or God. And of course the answer uh, is, is well i guess isn't of course i think going back to this uh, he is trying to persuade humans um he's not there's no need to persuade god um but anyways uh so yeah this just triggered this memory for me we're gonna get it um a couple a few verses later in in 510 as well um yeah, yeah, because there uh, he says, you know, ego pepuitha, hisumas in kirio, right? Um, so I think he is, his aim is to persuade humans, not God. I, I think people often yeah. read 110 wrong, they in, interpret it incorrectly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, been, I'm looking here at my lexical information and looking at 110 again. I know we've discussed that. What was that, two years ago? Uh, how long have yeah. we been working on Galatians? But yeah, I mean, the NESB translates that uh, in 110, seeking the favor of. Hmm. Um, I think just persuading. Yeah. And I think, I think the, I think, yeah, I think it's a fair question. You know, what is what is Paul trying to do? Trying to garner God's favor, persuasion, or people? Um, but then, and then you have an alternative, or am I seeking to please people? See, it's different, uh, you know, persuading people mm -hmm. and seeking to please them. Those are different kinds of things. So, yes. Uh, yeah, Paul uses persuasion. Second Corinthians uh, five ten, I think it's five ten. No, it might be five eleven. No, it's five five uh, five eleven. Yeah, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade people. Same verb, pitho. Yeah, and this is a uh, in Second Corinthians five eleven. It's it's kind of a a, a pretty important admission because. Paul was being accused of using rhetoric kind of underhandedly or when he particularly when he said that he denied it or they they thought he said that he didn't use it or they didn't like how we used it. Anyway, he distances himself from that as a sole basis of appeal to people. So if we go back to first Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians three and four, chapters three and four, well, really two, chapter two. He, he, he seems to be denying it, yet 1 Corinthians is a rhetorical masterpiece. It seems like he was yeah. criticized after that, and then he has to defend his use of persuasion in 2 Corinthians right here, which is also a masterpiece of persuasion. But Paul was persuading people all along, right? He was a good speaker. Exactly. 
right? Yeah. So in Acts, right. what God was he was he associated with, right? Wasn't it Hermes? Well, that's why I thought there's a contrast here between this and what he says in in one. There's a contrast between him and the dissuaders. So I, I might like to translate this as who is cut in on y'all to dis, dissuading you. You have that may pethis there, like dissuading you from the truth, like to not persuade you in the truth or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, who cut in on you to not obey the truth? I I think, but mm. so you don't yeah. you don't think that that's a sufficient translation or? No, I think it's I think it's meant to contrast him uh, persuading them to one thing and the troublemakers persuading dissuading them to a a different thing, you know, away from the one thing that he persuaded them to. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go with obey here but i i see where you're coming from but well yeah. i mean it's, it's interesting um the middle we have to take we have to, to to take it as middle or passive what if it's to be persuaded by the truth yeah who, get up, who cut in on you so that you were not persuaded to or by the truth because Paul yeah. represents the truth, right? Have I become your enemy, he says earlier, by speaking truth to you? Mm -hmm. So Paul is aligning himself with truth. In chapter 2, uh, he preserved the truth of the gospel. This idea of yeah. truthfulness is huge. Now, it... It made one of my students working with Ephesians, uh, doctoral students in a seminar, he argued that the word aletheia has more to do with the idea of faith, like uh, firmness or faithfulness. Uh, going back to kind of the Hebrew idea. Um, but I still think that the prop, you know, the propositional nature of it probably is there, but Truth is in Jesus, Paul says. So truth is a relational, embodied in persons notion. And truth, in that sense, then is, is faithfulness. Like it, it, you know, remaining faithful to people is, is a way to be true to them. So uh, mm. anyway, um, yeah, I'm wondering if it means to be persuaded, to not be persuaded by the truth. So who cut in on you in order that you would not be persuaded by the truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that's the way to take it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Well, so let's eight. read, uh, yeah, verse 8. kalundos imas. Very short. Uh, oh, wow. And we got no. some of that, um, several kapas there. Uk ek we have a few kapas in, in uh, with the he in the previous verse. Etrechte, kalo, kalos, and nekopsen, uk ek kalundos, and we got uh, following right that mikra. And so uh, several k k k, and that's like a harsh sound. You almost wonder. Um, uh, he's he's talking about circumcision. Uh, in the background here, I just, this came to mind as I was thinking about the 
almost like a cutting um sound yeah uh that i wonder with the the letters themselves yeah yeah sometimes and like that could be purposeful but sometimes it's just like a subconscious thing right when you when we cuss like when we stub our toe or smash our finger if, if we do ever use cuss words or even if we use softer version of cuss words right like crap or dang um, or we tend to we tend to uh like highlight the initial and final sounds of those and make them sound pretty harsh yeah you said fudge right the the mm-hmm. begin opening and closing sounds and we do this just sub consciously and i think um something could be going on here that is saying that we have the so yeah i don't know this is interesting intriguing to think about yeah so verse eight has ascenditon once again uh which would seem to suggest here there's a there's a closer relationship but there's non, there's no relationship that can be adequately expressed by the existing connectors or conjunctions. So it's uh, maybe an it's a it can be an evaluative statement, and that's what this is. You can move from general to specific. You can move to a, a summary. You can move to evaluate evaluative, and I think that's what's going on here. He says the persuasion, not from the one calling you. Um, It's a copula null sentence, which means that the copula verb imi is not there, it's implied. So the persuasion is not from the one who called you. So there's some kind of persuasion that is being applied, but Mm -hmm. then Paul evaluates it as not from the one calling you. Now, it's interesting that kaluntos, the is a participle, is um, it's present tense. This is uh, an adjectival use of the participle uh, in a prepositional phrase. Uh, we were just talking about participles and a grammar point uh, soon uh, to be released. And uh, yeah, this is adjectival use. So from the one calling you. It's intriguing that it's not the one that called you, past time. Um, mm. If you go back to 110. And 1-6 as well. Well, 1-6. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. Pardon me. Yeah, that is aorist tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised that so quickly you are changing from the one who called you by the grace of Christ to another, into another gospel or for another, yeah, into another gospel. So what's going on here? What, um, why the change from aorist tense to present tense? It almost makes it seem like God is still calling them. It's almost like, mm-hmm. Well, to go back to the exigency that that we have discussed, that I'm a bit persuaded of, that that these people are tempted, and some are even returning to paganism. 
So when faced mm-hmm. with the, 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 the persuasion that they have to be circumcised to be good followers of Christ or whatever, that some of them, many of them, maybe all of them said, nope, we're going to come back under paganism. So the time words, this goes back to chapter four, and this is really the argument that Troy Martin has set forth, although it's not been accepted, not been accepted by and large, but I find it compelling. Uh, yeah. So, so the present tense would suggest he is calling you now. <laughs> he is calling you now. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any issues with the idea of God calling them still now um i think there we can we can imagine different scenarios in our sort of mirror reading um of of the letter right so do we are we mirror reading this in such a way that you know like martin uh some of them have fallen uh, have changed course and so he is still calling them like Mm -hmm. just like he had been before uh, we can uh-huh. imagine another scenario where um, perhaps no one has has quite yet changed course, um, and Paul is making the theological point that look, the God who called you then is still calling you. This calling doesn't doesn't stop. It doesn't cease. Um, so that's, I don't know, another way we could think of it. I'm sure we could come up yeah. with a bunch of other ways to, to we would just frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have to kind of look at you know develop an understanding of calling in Paul. Does Paul yes. have this developed sense somewhere you know expressed? Is you know so Michael suggested the reading that even after we've initially been called, that God still is calling us. And I think mm-hmm. I think that there's some aspect of that is true. He's calling us to deeper uh, commitment, faithfulness, uh, further repentance. Um, but I, I'm, it just just strikes me as as uh, intriguing here and, and important because presumably yeah. uh, it's it's relevant for them that he is uh, present tense calling. Well, I think it's interesting too, especially in light of the the preceding verse where they have uh, in Nekopsen, um some someone has dissuaded them from the truth or persuaded them not to the truth, um, or is in the process of trying to persuade them to not to, uh, and, and so. Not only then is Paul contrasted as one who's been trying to persuade them, but now God himself is speaking in an effort to persuade them a certain way. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm I've been intrigued. I mean, back going back to one seven, once again, that it, we play I think we discussed this or is it one six that yeah one six that it seems like the one who called them like that the, the there seems to be Paul. <laughs> oh, so there's, there's a 
a close relationship between Paul who called them, God who called Paul to call them, and Paul. So you know, God and, and Paul are, are working together. So, so God called them through Paul's preaching. Now God is calling them to obey the truth through Paul, who is speaking the truth to them. So there's yeah, a concert. There's yeah. a concert of activity. Yeah. So I've always yeah. been struck by one six, and just in my mind, I just thought, boy, is he referring to himself? Because, because yeah. God works through agents who speak His truth. Yeah. You know, blessed are the feet of the, the those who go. You know, and then how will they hear unless someone goes? You know, so God sends, but then people have to go. And when they go, they're representing God. So I just have always wondered whether Paul wasn't also a part of one six. What about one then one fifteen would maybe kind of mitigate against that reading? Although I find that really intriguing, where where yeah. in one fifteen you can see it here where yeah, uh, he's essentially the one who set me apart. Yeah. In my, mother's womb. my mother's womb and called me. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think, I think that that would say that God discreetly calls no doubt about it. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. we looked at that verse <laughs> when we talked about that possibility and, and you walked me back from that, <laughs> that cliff <laughs> based on, based on that. From the ledge. Walk me back from, from the, the ledge. ledge. <laughs> but uh yeah obviously we need to look at the idea of calling more and, well, and this, being an let active me, caller let me give you another example i mean so i'm a uh currently a pastor in a denomination well the church of did, you say, did you say you're a girly pastor <laughs> i'm currently a oh, pastor currently okay um, yeah so currently uh a <laughs> girly um, what does that even mean, girly pastor? Well, I wasn't gonna um, say anything, but, but you're you the did. yeah, okay. Um, implicature by I just saying to clarify. you're not gonna say something, you're saying something. Um, anyways, yeah, so currently I'm a pastor in a church in Nazarene, and when we do our ordination vows, when anyone does ordination vows, um, it is, it is the church, uh, on the one hand that. Well, so when you do ordination vows, the the other elders in the Church of the Nazarene are essentially calling you. And then when you receive a, a offer to be a pastor, you are called by the church. Right. So there are these different venues of calling or I don't I don't know, circumstances of calling. Certainly God places a call on our life to preach. A board of studies affirms that call. Then the elders in the Church of the Nazarene call for you to receive your credentials. And then a local church calls you to come serve. And so there are different uh, peoples involved in different aspects of calling so i don't mm -hmm. think the idea that paul is maybe 
has some role in the calling is far off, um, unless maybe the Nazarenes are far off. But uh, that's just an idea. Yeah. No, interesting. Well, do you have a parting shot or do I have a parting shot? Um, go ahead. Yeah, you can have, I got one, but if you want to share yours up to you, those who aren't following Jesus, aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow. And those who don't follow aren't followers to follow. Jesus means to follow Jesus into a society where justice rules, where love shapes everything. Scott McKnight. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. All right. Well, thank you guys uh, and gals for uh, you girls, um, girl preachers, <laughs> guy preachers. Well, well, no, be boy preachers. Because you couldn't okay, call them gir- girl preachers as boy preachers. Girly preachers and boyish preachers. I don't know whatever we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, hey, for all y'all listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. And Fred, thanks for your insights. We hope this has been helpful. Hit that like button and hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. We, we love engaging some of you folks, uh, others. Eh. <laughs> and then uh, please share the video as well. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, we hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.